Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths with respect to the future of Israel in the day of the Lord. Israel will make a seven-year covenant with the Antichrist, the middle of the tribulation, three and a half years. He will break the covenant, declare himself God, and not tolerate any worship of anybody but him. The Lord Jesus will return in the second coming. Zechariah says, His foot will stand on the Mount of Olives and split it in two, and Jesus Christ will establish the millennial kingdom. This is a sneak preview Zechariah has provided for us. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Who could have imagined when the Old Testament was written that all the nations of the world would be involved in deciding the fate of Israel, challenged the late Christian apologist Dave Hunt. And the involvement of all nations in dividing Israel has occurred exactly as prophesied and is still in the process of being implemented. Despite the seemingly continuous hotbed of conflict, the future simple truths of Jerusalem and the land of Israel can and has been predicted with utter certainty if one would just consult the Word of God. And coming up, Pastor Xavier does just that by turning to the Old Testament prophet Zechariah for today's study. Let's join him. Why don't you turn to Zechariah chapter 12, please? In the message entitled, The Siege and Deliverance of Jerusalem. The sneak preview that Zechariah gives us about the siege of Jerusalem is a battle towards the end of the tribulation, the great tribulation, right before Jesus comes back. And it consists of three things. We begin with God's proclamation over Israel, one through three. Notice verse one. The source and origin, notice, of the judgment is the word of the Lord, Yahweh, not the prophets. He's simply the instrument. Notice the judgment is against Israel during the end of the Great Tribulation. So it's important to put a context to this so we know where we're at. The time Zechariah is referring to here in our text is the future, the most horrible time that Israel is ever going to go through under the rulership of the Antichrist. Now notice the prophet Zechariah revealed the confederacy against Israel and the dire consequences in verse 2 and 3. In 2, the prophecy declared God will bring about this confrontation. He says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem the cup, literally a bowl or a basin or a goblet. And the idea is of coming to drink her up to do away with her. So God stays the effect of the cup. It's of drunkenness. Look at that. Drunkenness is a metaphor for weakness and inability to stand. This is the idea here. They're intoxicated but to their own destruction. This will prompt her enemies to be confident they will be able to defeat and destroy Israel. But the cup of drunkenness in reality is God's cup of judgment on them. They themselves will end up being destroyed, reeling, staggering. Notice God identifies the people involved to all the surrounding peoples. When they... Lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. Those who have come against her, who are around her. Look at three. And it shall happen in that day, key word, that day, that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all people. The very heavy stone means immovable, resulting in their own hurt. God will destroy them. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces. The destruction they would think to do to Jerusalem ends up their own demise by the hand of God. God will give the victory, though all the nations of the earth are gathered against Israel. 
in spite of their hatred, in spite of their military ability, in spite of their confidence, in spite of being outnumbered, God gives the victory over them. This is God's proclamation over Israel. Second comes the intervention for Israel. In 4 and 5, the prophet Zechariah revealed God will weaken the enemy. God repeats the time so that the prophecy is not misinterpreted. In that day, this day is not a 24-hour day, but a period of time with many events in it. It's called the day of the Lord. It's called the tribulation and great tribulation that will lead into the millennial kingdom. And many events that are recorded in the book of Revelation will take place. Now, God will supernaturally intervene against the enemy during the battle. Look at verse 4. I will strike every horse with confusion and its rider with madness. Listen to his words. I will open my eyes on the house of Judah and will strike every horse of the peoples with blindness. And the governors of Judah will say in their hearts, the inhabitants of Jerusalem are my strength in the Lord of hosts, their God. In other words, those governing confirm their trust in each person as strengthened for the battle because they are looking to God. The Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven is their God who will enable and empower them in and through the battle. Look at verse 6 and 7. In that day, prior to the second coming when Jerusalem is attacked, I will make the governors of Judah like a fire pan in the woodpile and like a fiery torch in the sheaves. They shall devour all the surrounding peoples on the right hand and on the left. The enemy will be defeated at their dismay. The people of God will be victorious by their trust and dependency upon God. God will work in such a way that he alone will get the glory. The priority of the battle is Jerusalem. The Lord Yahweh will save the tent of Judah first. There will be no human boasting or exaltation, he says, so that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall not become greater than that of Judah. No longer this rivalry, but it's the trust in the Lord as one nation. No lost tribes, no north, no south, one. They're in the land right now, but they're not back with God yet. The Spirit of God has to be poured out upon them. Now look at verse 8 and 9. The prophet Zechariah revealed God will enable the people. So he impairs the enemy. He equips and enables the leaders. Now the people. God will provide divine protection for the individuals. And in that day, the Lord Yahweh will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In that day, God will make each warrior fierce. The one who is feeble among them in that day shall be like David. Another simile. David was a mighty warrior, valiant, strong, courageous, victorious, bad dude. That's how everyone will be in this battle. Supernaturally trusting God. And the house of David shall be like God. The house of David refers to the remnant of Israel in the last days. The phrase shall be like God does not mean to be like the person of God, but rather invincible and victorious like God. The illustration that follows confirms this. Like the angel of the Lord before them, standing between them and their enemies. Invincible. A pre-incarnation appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, a Christophany, the angel of the Lord. Look at verse 9. 
God will utterly wipe out all who attack the city of Jerusalem. It shall be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. In that day, here it is again. You tired of it? The fifth time it is stated to refer to the end of the great tribulation. God doesn't want us to miss this. This is the summary statement of the battle. Jesus will destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. The word nations appears 17 times in the book. It's key. Jesus prophesied the two fulfillments about Jerusalem. 70 AD and this one right here in Luke 21, 20 through 24. You know, it will be just like when Haman attempted to destroy the Jews because of his hatred for Mordecai. And he built a gallows to hang him on. But he ended up getting hung on him himself. The fact that Israel exists as a nation and an ethnic group today, despite the 1900 years of persecution and being dispersed throughout the world, is a miracle of fulfilled prophecy in and of itself. Three times in Scripture, God says Israel is the apple of his eye. Deuteronomy 32, 10, Psalm 17, 8. And the third one in Zechariah, it says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, He sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. The apple. Someone goes like that to your eye, you protect it. You defend it. There's a present day lie being perpetrated by professors in our universities, students and media and politicians and Christian leaders, the Arabs and Muslims. That the land belongs to the modern day Palestinians because they are the original inhabitants and descendants of the promised land. Lie. And that the state of Israel has no right to exist. In fact, most of them believe Israel is the problem. And if they could only remove the problem, the world would be much better. The concept of Palestine is um, a modern idea, invention, and a twisting of secular and biblical history. The land was given to Abraham. The land was called the land of Canaan. Listen, it's an everlasting possession. Genesis 17, 7 and 8, 1 Chronicles 16, 15 through 18. Everlasting possession is everlasting possession. Okay? It's called Canaan. God made his covenant promise to Isaac. The everlasting covenant again. And Ishmael was sent away by the command of God at the age of 14. Arriving to the wilderness of Paran and settled in the Arabia Peninsula and took an Egyptian wife. Genesis 16, 19 and 21, 12 and 21. Now let's think this through. He's half Jew. He's uh, Egyptian. Then he takes an Egyptian wife. How do you get a Palestinian out of that? The land was promised to a people who were enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. When did it was an Arab in Egypt for 400 years? Or a Palestinian? Genesis 15, 13. The children born to Keturah, all of them were sent away in the country to the east of Arabia to ensure that the land was promised to Isaac, Genesis 25, 4 through 6. The origin of the term Palestine is not biblical. I've shared with you before, Joshua conquered the land and it remained the land of Canaan for 1,500 years. In A.D. 132, the Romans, having decimated Jerusalem in A.D. 70 began to rebuild it for the Roman Emperor Hadrian as a pagan city dedicated to himself and Jupiter. The Jews rebelled for the desecration of the Temple Mount under Simon Barcoba, whom they considered to be the Messiah, and you know the whole story of Masada and all that. And the revolt was successful at first, but Roman crushed the rebellion, destroying everything and killed about 500,000 Jews. The remainder were sold into slavery. Then in A.D. 135, the Romans, in their anger, renamed the land of Israel Provincia 
Syria, Palestinia, after Israel's ancient enemies, the Philistines, as an insult. Islam came 500 years after the Roman renamed the land of Canaan to Palestine, and no Arab would call himself a Palestinian. It was a term of insult as late as 1950s. Arabs refused to be called Palestinians and declared that if there were such a people, they were Jews, their own words. Professor Philip Haiti, Arab historian, testified to an Anglo-American Committee of Inquiry in 1946, and I'm quoting, There is no such thing as Palestine in history. Absolutely not. To the UN Security Council, May 31, 1956, Ahmoud Shakirian declared, quote, It is common knowledge that Palestine is nothing but southern Syria. Eight years later, in 1964, Shakira became the founding chairman of the PLO and coined the infamous slogan, quote, We'll drive the Jews into the sea, which has been repeated by Iranian President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad and the Muslims who follow him. The Bible is clear, ladies and gentlemen, all who attempt to divide the land of Israel and wage war against Israel are incurring the wrath of God and will fight God. Listen to Psalm 125 too. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and ten years after. No, he says forever. Forever. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day and night. You who make mention of the Lord do not keep silent and give him no rest till the establishment, until he makes Jerusalem a praise on the earth. That's the millennial kingdom. Isaiah 62, 6 and 7. Are you going to believe the fake truth or the real truth of God? That which is being distorted and indoctrinated to the American public? And you as a Christian should be ashamed if you believe all that. Rather than the Bible. This is God's intervention for Israel, ladies and gentlemen. Notice thoroughly. God's conversion of Israel comes in 10 through 14. In verse 10, the prophet Zechariah revealed that the blindness of Israel will be removed. God will open the eyes of the Jewish remnant to recognize their Messiah. The one initiating this great event is God. And I will. There it is again. The imparting is the gift of grace and supplication. The word pouring out means to shed or to gush out. This is the spirit of God to open the eyes of the lost sinners to see their need of salvation. To repent. It's called illumination. God does that by his grace. Faith comes by hearing him by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Grace is unmerited favor. That means that the provisions of God is made through the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And we come by grace through faith and out of ourselves the gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. The future day notice of the conversion of the remnant is a major topic of the prophets. The book of Hebrews speaks about the day of the remnant of Israel, spiritual deliverance or salvation. Listen. I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Hebrews 8, 7 through 13 is quoting Jeremiah 31 and Joel 2 and many of the prophets. It's still future. They will see their past blindness towards Jesus the Messiah. Then they will look on me whom they have pierced. They will identify Jesus even as Thomas saw the prince on his hand and on his side. From John 20, 25, 19, 34 to 37, while he was on the cross, fulfilling Isaiah 53. 
They will be broken before God by a genuine heart and sorrowful grief. Listen, yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. A horrible, painful grief realizing, how could I? And there's no greater sorrow than to see your first child die, waiting so long for him or her. The change from the first person to the third person shows a distinction between the Father and the Son, God here. So the Trinity is found throughout the Scriptures. Right now Israel is ignorant concerning God's righteousness, and now is seeking to establish their own righteousness, Paul says in Romans 10.3. And that day their eyes will be opened. Blindness and part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile comes in. Look at verse 11 through 14. The prophet Zechariah revealed the repentance will be of all the remnant. Verse 11, the morning is compared to one occasion in their past history. In that day, there shall be a great morning in Jerusalem like the morning at Hadad Rimon in the plain of Megiddo. The particular day was when King Josiah was killed by Pharaoh Necho. And the entire nation lamented. And Jeremiah grieved. 2 Chronicles 35, 23-27. Just like that day. Josiah was a great godly king. But he got a little headstrong, so he got killed. God told him not to go out. Got presumptuous. The morning, the corporate notice, will be by individual repentance. Now, I do believe God saves entire families. But he saves them individually, one at a time. He doesn't save in a package, okay? <laughs> First, the kingly line of David, verse 12. The family of David and the land shall mourn. Every family is by itself. The family of the house of David by itself. The women separate, as the Jewish uh, usually do, and their wives by themselves. And the sons of David, the family of the house of Nathan by itself. This is not Nathan the prophet in Luke 3, 21, but the son of David. So you have the kingly line of David. And then you have, um, and the women by themselves. Then you have the priestly line in verse 13 of Levi. The family of Levi, the family of uh, the house of Levi by itself. And then the women separate by themselves. And the son of Levi, the family of Shemai, by itself, the son is Gershom in Numbers 3.18. The women separate by themselves. So he's got the kingly, the priestly. What's left? The people. The rest of the families. Verse 14. All the family remain, every family by itself, and their wives by themselves. Very orderly. Now what happens in chapter 13 is the consequence of their mourning repentance. They're born again. God sanctifies them, cleans up the land and everything else for the millennium. Some believe this may take place in the Feast of Tabernacles. Who knows? Listen to Isaiah 49, 13 through 16. This illustrates our point vividly. Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out in singing, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted His people and will have mercy on His afflicted. But Zion says... The Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may, may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Now, do you think God is through with Israel? <laughs> the nation of Israel... Is back in her land, but not back with God spiritually alive. This is still future, Ezekiel 37, twofold. First in the land, then the Spirit poured out. The next prophetic event is the attack of Israel by Russia. 
the confederacy of Islamic nations, at that same time, the rapture will take place because they will burn the weapons for seven years, Ezekiel 39.9. It didn't say they'll burn the weapon for seven years and one day or six years and 359 days, whatever, seven years. So they have to, the rapture and the attack of Israel by Russia has to happen at the same time, simultaneously. That begins the day of the Lord. Israel will make a seven-year covenant with the Antichrist. He will conquer through diplomacy with a bow with no arrows. Riding a white horse, false peace, Daniel 9.27, Revelation 6.2. The middle of the tribulation, three and a half years, he will break the covenant, stop the sacrifice as he's built the temple. He'll walk into the temple, declare himself God, and not tolerate any worship of anybody but him. All will have to take his number. They cannot buy, you cannot sell, you cannot do anything. We're on our way there. You get new credit cards, new chips, new this, new that. There's little chip implants already being used. Probably have one on Fido, you know. So Daniel 11, Matthew 24, 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, Revelation 11, 2, and many others give us all these things, this information. The remnant of Israel will flee to the city of Petra, we believe in Isaiah 16, 1, and Revelation 12, 6. God will protect her for three and a half years. The prophet Zechariah tells us the remnant, it shall come to pass in that land that says the Lord, the two-thirds of it shall be cut off. And die, but one third shall be left. Zechariah thirteen eight. That means that two of three Jews will die under the hand of the Antichrist. If you look at the book of Revelation from chapter six to nineteen, if you look at it all, one third is wiped out of the population, then the next time one half. So probably sixty five to seventy percent of the population of the earth will die. When the Lord comes back, there's only about twenty five percent, twenty eight percent left of the world. Not to speak that the number of the people that have been taken out of the rapture. The Lord Jesus will return in the second coming with his church. The next two chapters, chapter 14, Zechariah says he, his foot will stand on the Mount of Olives and split it in two. And water will gush out of the, from the throne, from the city of Jerusalem, one to the Dead Sea to give life and fishes there. They went to the Mediterranean and God, Jesus Christ, will establish the millennial kingdom. The topography will change. The new temple will fit there. It won't fit there right now. And this is what exactly Paul was talking about and that the remnant of Israel will be saved, that the, the natural branch is grafted back in again, as he says in Romans eleven twenty two through 27, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile has come in. Listen to Joel, Joel 3, 1 and 2. He says, For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them, and there on account of my people, my people, what do you mean my people? The Jews, my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, they have also divided up my land. You do not touch the land of Israel. You do not divide into two states. You do not mess with it. What is it that we don't understand? This is God's conversion of Israel. Still in the future. But it will happen. This is a sneak preview. Zechariah has provided for us. About the siege of the city of Jerusalem. At the second coming of the Messiah. Such details. So incredible. It consists of God's proclamation over Israel, God's intervention for Israel, and God's conversion of Israel. Do you believe God's word? I sure hope so. Examine like a Berean to make sure these things are so. And you better do your own homework. 
you better ask questions or you will be deceived guaranteed and God give us grace and wisdom to study to believe and not be moved from the word of God Pastor Xavier Reese declaring the profound simple truth for how the nation of Israel shall see Christ Jesus in the house of David and they will call him Lord according to the prophecy of Zechariah. Now you can request a copy of this study titled The Siege and Deliverance from Jerusalem, available on CD for just $4. And by the way, this CD will also contain everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Now the title you'll be asking for once again is The Siege and Deliverance from Jerusalem. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 